Luke 1, 68-70 Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he had said through his holy prophets of long ago. God loves me as I am and I love Him too. God is my loving Father and I'm His precious child. He treats me like no Christ has already happened. The first coming of our Lord happened some 2,000 years ago, and we can read about it in the Bible. And then we also live in a time in which we are awaiting his second coming, the return of Christ. And I want us to see that, that God has a part in all of these things, and of course we have a part too, and they work together. You see, God's part that we're going to see this morning is that God purifies while our job is to prepare. God purifies, we prepare. So let's take a look at a few passages from the Old and the New Testaments and let's see what the Lord has to teach us. In the prophet Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 through 4, the Lord says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. 
He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So this passage right here is talking about the Lord sending his messenger. And this messenger is going to prepare the way for the Lord. The Lord's going to come back to his temple. Now, you know, whenever you understand when Malachi was writing, you know, there had to be kind of this, this very interesting time period that, that uh, many of the prophets lived. And that was uh, they had already experienced a time, so to speak, at least the, the whole nation, had already experienced a time whenever the temple was built. Now, because they went a, another way besides following the Lord and they followed other gods and stuff like that, uh, the temple was destroyed. They were also sent into exile. But then they started to come back. And whenever they came back, they still had these prophets who were rising up and who were prophesying, telling them, look, you need to repent. And ultimately what we find in Malachi is that even after they come back and after they start worshiping God in the temple, their heart still oftentimes isn't into it. In fact, many times they're not a whole lot different than what they were before. Yes, they're a different people, but their attitudes are very similar to what they were before. That's why we have a statement like in verse 2, who can endure the day of the Lord's coming? Who can stand when he appears? It's great questions. And if it if it is only dependent upon us, we can't endure. We can't stand whenever he appears. That's not even going to be a possibility. However, what we do see is that God's part is God purifies. In verse 3, he talks about this. He says that he will purify. Now, specifically, he's talking about the Levites and, and stuff, but whenever he purifies the Levites, that's also going to kind of uh, go throughout the rest of them as well because the Levites are going to help in uh, their relationship with getting back to God. So all of this is, is supposed to, to go throughout the whole nation. And we see some examples that are used, some illustrations, some visual examples in verse 2 and 3. We see that a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap and then purifying silver or some other type of metal. We see these two images. Now, maybe you've seen somebody, uh, maybe you've seen a refiner's fire. I, I've never actually seen it in person. I've, I've watched some videos, so I kind of understand the concept a little bit. But the, the idea is to purify a metal, to purify a substance that you want. You, you have to apply this heat. Now, you know, to us, we like the end product because it might be, you know, a, a shiny piece of gold or a shiny piece of silver or something like that. It looks beautiful whenever it's done, but that's focusing a little bit too much on the end result. When you back up, there's a long process, a detailed process, and one that actually, you know, perhaps has a little bit of danger, I guess you might, you might say with that, because it can be a dangerous thing whenever you're heating up the, the metals to make sure that everything and everyone around it is, is safe. And launderer's soap, the same type of concept as well. And maybe you've seen somebody make soap before. Um, and whenever you see this, you know, it's this, it's this concept of, of uh, purifying this substance that you want and, and being able to, to get out what you want and then, then leave behind the things that you don't. And both of those images are used. But we see that the one who is doing this is, it's our God. Whenever he comes, whenever he appears, he's going to be purifying. And the question does remain, who can endure at the time of his coming? We need to be purified. But sometimes that action is not always a very pleasant action for us to endure. But it is, however, a very necessary one. Now, 
just like there were some some visual illustrations that are used in the text I like to uh, use visual illustrations as well and here I've got uh, this little uh, this little piece of paper and a pen and I'm gonna write the word sin on it because it's gonna serve as an uh, as an example of how God takes away our sin let me write it pretty big so that you'll be able to see it on the camera kind of messed up just a little bit okay I think you should be able to see that sorry let me see I've I've never done it on camera before and right here I've got this lighter that whenever you light it up you you see this fire I think you can see that there but anyways whenever I take this fire it's gonna serve as this example of, of kind of this refiners fire and how what God does is he takes away our sin watch closely to the word sin whenever I pass the fire around it it vanished it was purified it was taken away and that can be another example for how God takes away our sin he purifies us now that's what God's part is but as we fast forward in this story of the Bible we will see that we also have a part to play so let's fast forward to whenever the Lord does come and this messenger who is going to prepare the way before uh, the Lord now we know him by the name of John the Baptist don't we let's take a look at Luke in Luke chapter 3 verses 2 through 6 uh, we read about John who we call John the Baptist the word of the Lord came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord make straight paths for him every valley shall be filled in every mountain and hill made low the crooked roads shall become straight the rough ways smooth and all people will see God's salvation now this passage right here from John I'm sorry from Luke chapter 3 we see John who receives the word of the Lord and he knows that his goal his job in this life is to be this voice who is calling out in the wilderness the word of the God the word of God the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness his job is to prepare the way for the Lord now in a very similar way I love how John the Baptist prepared the way for the first coming of Christ and I've said it before and I'll continue to say it in, in this type of way that just like John was preparing the way for the first coming of Christ we ourselves have been given this call to prepare the way for the Lord for his return the second coming of Christ now it just so happens that many of the same things that he was preaching is also going to be the same type of message that we are proclaiming as well look at what his message was in verse 3 we find out that he was preaching a baptism you know what we also have a baptism in which we proclaim don't we now the baptism that we proclaim is a little different than his because the baptism that we proclaim it can look back to Jesus's own his death his burial and his resurrection and we can see in that the saving power of God the purifying power of the Lord and how he was going to accomplish this now also just like with John in verse 3 he was preaching a baptism we got that but it was a baptism of repentance so he was preaching this baptism he was preaching repentance now repentance is also still a message that we need to be proclaiming isn't it the message of repentance is one in which we can't just continue on living the same way that we had before if so then that sin will just 
find a way of coming right back again. No, to be purified, we need to repent. We need to, the best of our ability, with the Lord's help, of course, we need to turn away from that life of sin. That's why we are described as whenever we come to God, we are a new creature. A new part of the creation has come whenever we uh, submit our lives and obey the Father. And he purifies us. So John's message, once again, baptism, it's repentance. And he says, for the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is is so crucial and we see it's connected with this baptism and this repentance and all of these other things the the same type of message that john was proclaiming is a similar one for us today now his job was out in the wilderness his job was to prepare the way for the first coming of christ and he did a wonderful job and we see this this language that's used about what preparing the way for the lord means now see whenever we read it in verse five about these valleys filled in and the mountains um, and hills made low, the crooked become straight, the rough smooth. What is that talking about? Well, that's actually talking about an image that we can't relate with as much today, but we do see it sometimes, although we're not usually actively engaged in it. It has to do with, of John's day, what they would do is whenever royalty was going to be passing through a road, you know, they kind of surveyed that road and made sure, okay, is this good? Does it need to be filled in in some areas? Do we need to fill in the potholes? Do we need to smooth this place and make it as pleasant as possible for the coming of the king, so to speak? Well, in this case, that was John's job, to smooth out the road. Now, you have probably have seen people doing this because if you've ever seen somebody constructing a road, you know, um, well, just any time that you see somebody constructing a road, especially whenever they are, are going from uh, where a road wasn't before, to now they're going to be putting a road in there you see that they have to fill it in they have to flatten it out they have to make it as smooth as possible they might even have to build bridges today right in order to be able to make a road over it so that we can travel on it it's the same type of thing it's a similar type of thing so john was called to prepare the way for the lord and he did that now we also are called to prepare the way for the second coming of our lord and i want you to think about preparing now you know, ultimately, we need to be thinking about preparing in a lot of different ways. For starters, can we prepare the world for the second coming of Christ? But you know what? That might be a little bit too big for you to think about because you might think, well, I'm not going to travel all over the world. And maybe you won't. But what about our nation? Are there things that you could do today? And I want you to actually think about that. Are there things you could do today to help prepare the way for the Lord? Now, that also means kind of the messages that we proclaim and reaching out to people and allowing them to recognize the Lord is coming. Are you ready? It, a lot of it is that message, this message about baptism, this repentance, and the ability to receive forgiveness of sins. So maybe even if we think about helping our nation, you might think, well, you know, I don't really leave even the, the town that I'm in all that much. Okay, well, think about this then. Are there things you can do in your community to help prepare the way for the Lord? And even more locally than that, what about your own household? What about you specifically? Just you as an individual single person. Can you prepare the way for the Lord? See, sometimes what we do is we think about that end result. We think about preparing the whole world for the coming of Christ. But you know what? Maybe we need to back it up. And maybe we need to recognize, look, if, if you work on yourself and in your area and the people that you are in contact with, then guess what? 
Christians all over the world are going to be doing that same thing. And eventually we will see the whole world being able to, to be prepared for the second coming of Christ. In verse 6, it still remains, And all people will see God's salvation. The way that they will see God's salvation is if we prepare the way for the Lord. Don't get too bogged down about thinking, well, I, I can't go throughout the whole world. God didn't ask one person to go throughout the whole world. He asked one person to, to work in your area, to fulfill your own calling. If you even look on a map as to where Jesus himself went, he didn't go all over the world. He went into a pretty small area. But yet he did a whole lot of good and he impacted a whole lot of people. And what he did in that one area impacts everybody. It impacts the entire world. So sometimes we need to back up and recognize kind of even from a smaller stage about how important preparing the way for the Lord is. So let's actually do that in, in Luke's gospel because right here we see John as an adult and he's going to be proclaiming this message and, and preparing this way for the Lord. But let's back up. And let's notice something that his father said a couple chapters before this in Luke chapter 1. Now, in Luke chapter 1, it's important before we read this together to understand what has happened. Zechariah was told that John is going to be born. He was told what to name John. And we also find out that because Zechariah did not fully believe at first and he had this doubt, he was actually silenced all the while uh, John um uh, while his wife Elizabeth was uh, was pregnant with John and uh, before John was born, he was silent all during that time. So you might say, and it has been jokingly said, that while Zechariah was silenced for those nine months, it was the best nine months of Elizabeth's life. Well, I'll let you think about how that is and maybe why that would be. But Zechariah was silenced. And whenever he was silenced, do you think he ever had time to think and process what was going on. I believe that's exactly what he was doing for those nine or so months that we see. And in Luke chapter one, whenever he was allowed to speak again after John was born, this is what he starts to say. Listen to this message. Now, this is Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and he's speaking about John the Baptist and what God is doing in their day. And he says, verses 68 through 79, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophet, through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Now let's pause right there before we get to what was stated to Abraham. Okay, we, we ended in verse 73. Let's pick back up in a moment, but let's see what he already is, is saying right here. Because already, whenever he was allowed to speak again, what was he speaking of? He was recognizing that the prophets of old had proclaimed about this time. They had spoken about it. They knew it was coming. This had been promised to their ancestors. What had been promised? Well, this salvation, this deliverance. It had been sworn on oath even to Abraham. Now, Abraham had lived, you know, a couple thousand years even before this time, and he's lived, you know, 4,000 years even before us. So this is an old promise, but it's a faithful promise. So what's going to happen? How is the salvation going to come? Well, in John the Baptist, his father was already seeing what was going to take place. 
was already noticing that his son was going to be something special. His son was going to point the way to the most important person who ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ. So, Zechariah continues on. Verses 74 through 79. This is what was promised on oath to Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Now I want you to, to really take in what, what Zechariah is saying about John and what John is going to do with his life. Now, Zechariah knows that John is not the Messiah, but he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. He's going to be a prophet of the Most High. He's going to prepare the way for the Lord. All that's stated in verse 76. We also find out that this, this message, this call, what's going on right here is this salvation, this forgiveness of sins. Verse 77 talks about that. We see that that this salvation, this forgiveness, is given to us because of the mercy of God. And we see another image. I, I like images that are used in the Bible to, to let us relate to it and maybe make us think and turn to God. And the image that's used right here is the rising sun. Think about that. When was the last time that you saw a sunrise? It's a beautiful moment. It's just moments before the sun actually rises. You see that there's this darkness and then it slowly kind of starts and then eventually you get to where you start to see the sun. And it's beautiful. And sometimes you see these, these beautiful colors. Sometimes it's red and orange and yellow and all, all these colors mixed together. And you see this beautiful sight and you know that that sun is going to continue to be up throughout the day. The sunrise is so important. And it's something that happens every single day and we sometimes don't really think about it. But can you think about this dawn that's being described right here? This rising sun that's being described here. Verse 79, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the message that John was proclaiming. He was pointing the way for the Lord. The Lord was going to come. And just as the dawn, it comes and we see it in kind of some different stages. That's how it is with our Lord as well. We saw the light came into the world. It was shining in the darkness. And we see that that light has never been extinguished. It's never been put out by the darkness around us. And we also have this call to continue to speak about this light that has come into the world that can bring us out of darkness and into the light of God. This is the message that we still proclaim. We still proclaim, like John who prepared the way for the Lord, we proclaim baptism, we proclaim repentance, we proclaim forgiveness of sins and salvation. That's the light that has come into us to guide our feet into the path of peace. Can you think of anyone this week that maybe you can share this message with? Maybe it's a message that needs to, to take root in your own life. Whatever the case, are you willing to do something about this message this week? Think about it. How do you see this old world? Oh, how do you soak it all in? Oh, where did you come from and why are you here? And what does it all really mean?